0: Chapter 10 of John Deane of Nottingham Historic Adventures by Land and Sea. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. John Deane of Nottingham Historic Adventures by Land and Sea by William Henry Giles Kingston. Chapter 10 Jack Encounters Master Pearson and goes to norwich vanity fair vanity fair all over exclaimed brinsmead to jack as they worked their way amidst the gaily clad talking higgling laughing shouting throng it's many a day since i came to this part of the meadow it becometh me more to keep to the duddery where staple wares are to be found than to be wandering about in this fool's paradise but i wished you my young friend to see what is to be seen, that I may point out its folly, and that you might not be fancying you had missed some great delight. See yonder shouting fool, with bells and cap and painted face, grimacing away to the gaping crowd, who think him the merriest fellow they have ever set eyes on. Look into the poor wretch's heart, and take my word for it, it's well-nigh breaking. Maybe he has a sickly wife and ten small children at home, who will starve if he ceases to grimace. So grimace he must to the end of the chapter. But who is this? An old friend, I verily believe. Yea, and a trusty one, friend, Brinsmead, said a person, who at that moment confronted Will, and took him cordially by the hand. But what can have brought you into this hurly-burly of folly and wickedness? And what has brought you into the midst of the same hurly-burly, Job Hodgkinson? asked will i desired to make a short cut from the duddery and took my way across it answered the stranger jack did not hear more of what was said for will having let go his arm and the crowd pressing on them they were speedily separated from each other jack looked about for his friend but old brinsmead's low-crowned hat was completely concealed by the higher beavers of more pretentious and taller persons he pushed on as well as he could among the crowd hoping to overtake brinsmead but probably passed him suddenly he caught sight as he thought of the worthy drover's broad-built figure moving in a different direction to what he had expected at a pretty quick rate this made jack exert himself to overtake him by the time he came up with the chase he found that he had been following a stranger at last after wandering about in all directions he gave up the search as hopeless and determined to amuse himself as best he could and then to try and find his way back to their quarters in cambridge jack not quite entering into brinsmead's opinions with regard to the wrongfulness of watching the tricks of the mummers and montebanks and other similar performers had stopped before the booth of a conjurer who was by his amusing tricks producing a succession of broad grins on the countenances of a crowd of rustics standing round him and occasional loud shouts of laughter as the hubbub for a moment ceased jack heard his name pronounced and turning round he saw two persons of a class superior to the generality of the crowd standing close to him the eyes of one of them especially were fixed on him the other he recognized as the humble college student who had passed him and Brinsmead on their entrance into Cambridge. A second glance showed him that the student's companion was no other than his quondam acquaintance, Master Pearson. Though no longer habited as a drover, but as a substantial merchant, with a long coat of fine broadcloth, a broad-brimmed beaver on the top of his periwig, a long neckcloth, and high-heeled shoes with huge buckles ah you are surprised to see me master dean he observed with a laugh putting out his hand i told you that i was a dealer in woolen goods so that it is but fit i should appear in the proper guise of a decent merchant instead of in the habit of a common rough rider in which you have before seen me we have well met for i have been hunting for you through the fair and my reverend friend here told me he thought he had seen you and would assist me in the search i have brought a dispatch for you from a friend for since we parted i have ridden to nottingham and back again and have a communication of importance to make to you it must be in private though for it will not do to have eavesdroppers and we know not who standing round might hear us where is worthy will brinsmead Jack in reply told Pearson how he had lost his friend in the crowd, and begged to be informed of the tenor of the communication. "'I told you that I cannot deliver it out here,' answered Pearson, "'so come along with me and my reverend friend, Master Simon Sterthesol, for you have not a chance of meeting with Brinsmead again before nightfall, and I will see you afterwards to your lodgings if you cannot find the way by yourself.' jack instinctively gave a hopeless glance round once more for his friend and then seeing no signs of him agreed to accompany pearson and the minister pearson seemed anxious not to let jack escape him for he took him by the arm and held it fast while they were working their way through the crowd this took some time for the busy throng seemed in no way inclined to make room for them at length however they reached the banks of the cam where master pearson hailed a wherry and bargained with the rowers to convey them to cambridge by this time the shades of evening were coming on and jack could not help feeling glad that he had fallen in with master pearson rather than have to find his way by himself back to cambridge never was the river more alive with boats passing and repassing filled with all descriptions of people from the magistrate with his chain and cloak of office his gold-headed mace and gaudily dressed officials to small tradesmen and humble artisans with their wives and families many returning from the fair were shouting and singing evidently having paid frequent visits to the vintner's shops while the children blew their trumpets and sprung their rattles as an accompaniment to the vocal music of their elders on disembarking from the wherry pearson instead of entering the town led the way to a distant part of the outskirts "'stopping at the door of what appeared to be a small farmhouse. "'A knock with his walking-stick gained him admittance, "'when exchanging a few words with the inmates "'he desired his companions also to enter. "'A decent-looking woman placed a tankard of ale "'with pipes and tobacco before them, "'and then, without making any remark, "'withdrew to an inner room. "'They are trustworthy,' observed Pearson, "'as he closed the door.' And now, Master Dean, I will deliver my message. In the first place, you remember that evening I met you down by the water meadows. It appears that in some way or other you have offended your companions on that evening, and one of them, being taken up on suspicion of poaching, with the hope of saving his own carcass of flogging, or the pillory, has informed against you and me. You will therefore find it somewhat dangerous to revisit your native town for the present your friend mr harwood hearing of this and knowing that i had become acquainted with you sent you this packet which you will examine at your leisure it contains a further supply of introductions to several people of importance which he wishes you particularly to deliver in person and i promised him to invite you to accompany me in the journey i propose making shortly to the north you will there enjoy a wilder sort of life than you will find in this part of the country and meet with a variety of characters which will afford you a subject of amusement how provoking exclaimed jack i did not think smedley and bligh would have turned traitors and and he hesitated for some seconds you mean to say you would like to pay another visit to harwood grange said pearson with a laugh well to my mind you will serve your own purpose better "'if you carry out Mr. Harwood's wishes. "'In a few months, probably, the matter will be forgotten, "'and in the meantime you can see something of the world. "'A trip over to the Continent would be of interest.' "'But I have engaged to accompany Brinsmead to Norwich,' observed Jack, "'and I have several commissions of importance to execute there for Mr. Strelly. "'I must not neglect them.' "'No need for you to do so,' answered Pearson. "'Go on to Norwich, as you propose.' "'and I will meet you in a week's time at St. Faith's. "'I have agreed to wait there for a party of Highland drovers "'who are on their way south with some large herds of lean beasts "'for the purpose of getting flesh put upon them in the Lincolnshire Fens. "'What do you say to this plan?' "'I will think it over,' said Jack. "'I would rather go back to Nottingham and meet the charge like a man. "'If a fine would get me off, I would sell everything I possess.' "'though I have no fancy for the pillory, I will confess.' "'You would run a great risk of the pillory, let me tell you,' observed Pearson. "'So I would advise you to carry out the plan I proposed. "'I think our reverend friend here will give you the same advice.' "'Indeed would I, my son,' observed the minister, "'and though by it you have made yourself amenable to the laws, "'I cannot see that you are called upon of your own free will "'to expiate your offence by undergoing the punishment that would await you i propose to accompany master pearson and maybe i shall be able to give you such counsel and advice as will keep you in future from committing such follies and transgressions these are bad times we live in our ancient customs are being overthrown daily and no man can say where it will all end i thought that most people were pretty well contented now that king william is firmly seated on the throne and that great improvements are taking place throughout the country in all directions observed jack repeating the remarks he had often heard made by his father dr dean the worshipful mr pinkstone and others the minister sighed what some call improvements others may look upon in a very different light he observed but we will talk of these things by and by my young friend perhaps matters which you now see in one light you may then see in another it is scarcely necessary to repeat the conversation which took place jack was excessively puzzled with many of the remarks made by his companions especially by the divinity student who seemed to have notions very different to those held in general by puritan divines he was evidently a shrewd man with cunning piercing eyes and sharp features professing to care very little for the good things of life it appeared that he was to remain at the house where they then were for master pearson wished him good-night and telling him that he would return anon invited jack to accompany him into cambridge where he would endeavour to find out the cat and whistle the sign of the hostelry at which brinsmead and his drovers had put up no necessity to tell old will what we have been talking about observed pearson especially that poaching matter for instance tell him that you have received instructions to part company with him at saint faith's and if you render exact account of all your transactions and give him up any money you may have received belonging to mr strelly he can have no cause of complaint pearson accompanied dean to the entrance of the inn "'where, shaking him warmly by the hand, he said, "'Remember St. Faith's. "'For your own sake, keep to your present intention.' "'Jack followed Pearson's advice with regard to the account "'he gave of the cause of his absence. "'Old Will fixed his keen gray eyes upon him, "'and Jack could not help feeling "'that he looked at him with suspicion. "'It's always that Master Pearson,' observed Old Will, "'I should like to have a few words with him myself.' "'I don't like these strangers who come dodging our steps "'and turning up in all manner of places. "'I have an idea, Master Jack, "'that he has been using you as a pump "'to get up through you "'what information he can about our business. "'Now, Jack, if you have been communicative to him, "'you have acted like a fool, "'and, more than that, have done very wrong. "'A wise man should keep all his own affairs to himself, "'and still closer should he keep his master's affairs.' they are not his property, remember, and he who talks about them is giving away what is not his own, and that no honest man will do. You are hard upon me, Master Brinsmead, said Jack. I am not conscious of having said anything about Mr. Strelly's affairs to Pearson or to any one else. I have committed faults in my time, that I know, and am very likely to have to pay the penalty. I rather hope I may." but i have never acted dishonourably to any one who has trusted me jack though he spoke thus was not altogether comfortable in his mind that night's fishing expedition and many others of a similar character which he was conscious were unlawful rose up before him besides he felt he had spoken more freely to master pearson than he ought to have done though he had not though he was aware of communicated any information which might prove detrimental to the interests of his employer. For the first time in his life, perhaps, he had little inclination for supper, while his dreams were far from being of a pleasant character. The next day he and Brinsmead, with all their party, had an abundance of work to get through. One of the company of pack-horses had to be laden with wool and sent off to Nottingham, while another was got ready to proceed to Norwich brinsmead and jack were to accompany the latter the wool for norwich was to supply with material the worsted manufacture carried on in that town it had long been noted for it having been introduced by the flemings as early as the twelfth century and it was followed up in later years by that of sayes arras and bombasins Gauzes and crepes had of late years been introduced by the french huguenot refugees to whom every encouragement was wisely afforded to set up their looms and other machines. End of chapter 10